Hey everyone, welcome back to Sophomore Citizens. I'm Gigi. I'm Liesl. And I'm Lily. So for today's check-in, we have a very exciting update. This exciting update, which I will let Liesl fill us in on momentarily, will then dictate the rest of this um, beautiful, wonderful episode that we have prepared for you all today. So I'll let Liesl take it away and that will get the ball rolling on our theme for today's episode. Yes. So the very special, exciting announcement is that I am officially vaccinated with my first dose of the beautiful Pfizer vaccine. Thank you, Pfizer. Love you. Um, So through DoorDash, um, I was considered an essential worker, um, you know, delivering food to the kind and wonderful people of Los Angeles. And I think the specific uh, logic was that elderly people, anyone who is immunocompromised, et cetera, those people cannot go and pick up their own food. So the people who are delivering food to those people are considered essential workers. I'm pretty sure that was kind of the reasoning there as to why DoorDashers and like people in the food industry were able to get vaccinated. Um, And so my cousin, Eric, was really like diligent about checking the California websites and making like seeing when there was appointments, seeing the eligibility, checking all of that. And around 7 a.m. last week, he like rushed in. He was like, you need to go on this website right now and fill this out and get an appointment. So we were able to get appointments that were 10 minutes away from each other. And so on Tuesday, we drove all the way across the city, pretty much to Pasadena, And we were at Cal State Los Angeles and we went through the drive-through and it took about 90 minutes to get through the whole drive-through. And there was like California State Guard, I think they were. Um, So they were in their full camo, beautiful outfits. And um, I was really expecting the person who vaccinated me to be like a nurse or someone who, you know, seemed to be like, medical in some way but no she was a beautiful red-haired goddess um in her full uh army attire and I you know it was just crazy because they give you like the cards or they start filling out the cards for you like one person comes and talks to you fills out your cards and then puts it in your windshield so it's like right there and you can see it and then we were surrounded by all these tents and we were like looking around and seeing the camo people like go to different people's cars and you could see them like lean in and you knew that that's when the vaccine was happening and then they would take their little cart around that had all their supplies so I see the, the car in front of us this beautiful wonderful woman you know with this gorgeous red hair and she's in her outfit and I could just tell right away that like she was super nice And everyone that we interacted with was like, do you have any questions? Like, do you like, you know, are you confused about anything? Like everyone was so accommodating and I just wasn't expecting that. Like, I just thought everyone would be so like business oriented, but they were like down to chat and be friendly and stuff. And so, uh, yeah, so this beautiful woman, uh, I think her name was Shayna, uh, came over and vaccinated first my cousin. So I got to watch it happen. And then he was like, Ooh, that was spicy. So then I got kind of miss me Nerva. Um, aka nervous that it was gonna hurt um but so then the lady came around to my side and she 
you know, we were just chatting and I was like, you have such pretty hair. She was like, oh, thank you. They used to bully me about it in school. And so we were having this conversation while she was vaccinating me. So like, I didn't even feel it happen at all. Like I was like, oh, it's over. And then she forgot to put a bandaid on me. So I could like literally see the vaccine. I was just like, stay, stay, stay. And then you have to wait 15 minutes to make sure that you're not like going to have an allergic reaction to the vaccine. So they made us stay in our car for 15 minutes. And then finally it was our like lines turn to go. And obviously I was so excited buzzing. So I was just like saying thank you to everyone, waving at everyone. And like, as we were driving out, we were driving by other cars who had just gotten vaccinated, but were in their 15 minute wait. So I was waving at all of them being like, yay. And like, no one was really, you know, waving back at me. A couple people, you know, gave me a little Which wave. I'm just in disbelief about like, yeah, when I, mean, I they get just- my vaccine, I'm literally going to be like, running around screaming yelling dancing like any any joyous thing I can do I will be doing it and the idea that someone would get this freedom of vaccination after a year of excruciating pain waiting and then to go okay yeah that was great thanks okay Mm. bye like I'm in disbelief yeah but so, so most of the people, you know, they, they either didn't notice me, they were distracted, they were doing other stuff. But the very last car that we got to was these two girls who were already like bumping music and like dancing and like were already super lit. So I was like, yes, and they were like celebrating with me. So I was glad that I got to have, you know, a moment of, of just pure joy with some strangers who were also getting vaccinated. And then the next day, my arm kind of hurt, was a little bit sore. But other than that, I've just been riding the high of Pfizer. That was such a beautiful and wonderful story. And I can only hope that my vaccination is something as joyous as that. Because like Gigi, when I imagine the day that I get vaccinated, I am going to be living my best life. I honestly feel like I might be kind of emotional being like, this is the end of, I mean, it is not the end. I hope that everyone continues to be responsible until like we really are at the end. But this is the beginning of the end. And I cannot believe that me and the rest of the world made it this far. I I just feel like I'm gonna be so overcome with emotion that I'm gonna break out into tears. Yeah, really, I I can agree. And like I think that I thought that I would have that feeling too, and I I definitely did to to a major extent. But it was also like it's just so surreal for it to happen, and like I feel like it really takes time to fully sink in like what's actually happening, and also just the fact that like right now there is a substance in my body that is doing a lesson teaching my other cells how to fight covid like it's so cool the science of it and stuff and like the fact that that's happening in my body right now is so cool um but it's just it it's really surreal and like the whole time that we were waiting like this 90 minutes that we were driving up for the most part we were kind of like there is a chance that maybe we'll show them our DoorDasher, you know, information. Maybe we'll give them their RIDs and then be like, oh no, like you're not in the right group or you're not at the right place. Or like, so like that whole 90 minutes, like we were really excited, but I was also like in the back of my mind, like maybe they'll turn me away. Like maybe they won't actually give me the vaccine. So then when it did happen, I was still just like not even expecting it to happen fully. So it was just like very overwhelming. So now that we have this picture of Liesl's beginning of the end. Let's go all the way back to the beginning. Now, I'm sure that we all have stories, but I think that we'll let Lily kick this one off because she truly did 
she did know COVID in a different way um, before even Liesl and I knew COVID. So Lily, please share with us. Yeah, so we're going back, back, back to honestly when my life was fine. I was in Barcelona, I was living it up in Spain. I had plans to go to the beautiful city of Florence. It was a year ago, two weekends ago. So a year- In February. Yes. And we're gonna go visit some friends in Florence. It's gonna be great. And then we start getting word of the novel coronavirus. Who is she? What is she doing? And why is she spreading so quickly in the country that I'm supposed to be going to? And so we're like, okay, like maybe that's bad, but like we still, we are still in the time where like we don't know what this is. Like the novel coronavirus is so novel. So, anyways, days leading up to the trip, there's talk of potentially canceling the trip because it's not safe, which, like, I, I mean, I have never had to cancel a trip due to safety concerns. So, like, in my brain, that was like, oh, that's not going to happen. Like, it's fine. It will be okay. Long story short, we end up canceling our trip to Florence because all of our friends who we were going to visit are getting sent home from Florence. And this is like, oh my God, what is happening? We go zero to a hundred real quick. And it's like, okay, well, I'm glad that we're not going because we'd have no one to stay with. We're gonna keep hanging out in Spain, doing our thing. So my life continues. And basically as the days go by, this is just progressively getting worse. It is spreading throughout the rest of Europe and cases are increasing in Spain, in other countries. And there is talk of potentially us getting sent home, but still everything is fine. And it's not like I know anyone who's sick and it's not like I'm worried about getting sick or taking any precautions to protect myself. And then it gets really bad and there's no, there's no lead up. It's just like, okay, this is, this is very contagious. This is very bad. We are going to get sent home. We just don't know when. So then it is the wonderful night of, I don't actually know the day, but I don't want to know the day because I would rather block this out of my brain. And I am with two of my new friends and we are at a bar and then we're at another bar and then we're at a club because again, this is spreading, but like we're not concerned at all. And so we are at this club that is underground and I have no cell service and it's approximately three in the morning and I am drunk. I am happy. I'm living it up. I'm dancing. And then my friends are like, okay, I think it's time to go home. It's maybe three or four in the morning, step out. And I have, I don't know, 40 missed calls from my mom and a bunch of texts. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? So we get in our cab, we are headed home. And I call my mom and she's like, you're coming home. Your program got canceled. The American borders are closing. So you need to be on a flight in the next... 24 hours. I need you to start packing immediately. I'm on the phone with the airlines. I'm getting you a flight, but I need you to basically be ready to go whenever I tell you that a plane is waiting to bring you back to Los Angeles. And in my frantic state hearing this, I immediately start crying. There, It is emotional. There are tears, lots going on. So I go home. My host mom is asleep. My roommate is asleep. I pack up all of my belongings and Everybody whose families and children and friends are in Europe is calling the airline. So my mom has been on hold for maybe like seven hours now. My dad is calling people. 
I called Judy and Liesel. I'm pretty sure Marilyn was calling people who was their wonderful mother. We have the whole, you know, my entire network is working on getting me home because we are still in the place that the borders are going to close and I'm going to be stuck in a foreign country and I'm probably going to get the novel coronavirus because we don't know what it is and I'm going to die and that is going to be it. I will say that I was at the lowest point I have been at in my memorable past at this moment. I believe I'm not going to get home. Cut to the next morning. I go to sleep at maybe like 8 a.m. I am fully packed up and I left my ringer on. I said, mom, just call me when I have a flight and I will get on it. I ended up getting a plane. It was very frustrating, very stressful, but I made it home in one piece. The borders did not close. That was a misconception. There was a miscommunication. Everything was fine. And I come back to America. I'm so happy to be home. My family will not hug me. They will not touch me. They believe that I am a walking, living, breathing infection. So my mom picked me up and she had gloves on and she put sheets in the back of the car, but there were no masks. The windows were up because we didn't think that that could be bad. She just thought she couldn't touch. Then I get home and I am essentially pseudo quarantined. So no one was allowed to come in my room and no one was allowed to touch me and I was not allowed to touch anything. So if I wanted something made for me, someone had to make it. If I wanted water, someone had to get it for me. But like I could sit at the table with my family and eat dinner, but I was eating on paper plates, but being close to me. So I, I share all of this just to show how far we've come. Obviously now it's not the touching that we're as concerned about. It's being near people. And there was no concern of that whatsoever. But after 14 days of feeling healthy and wonderful, I got to hug everyone and I was reintegrated into society and I could reflect upon this insane beginning of COVID-19. And that is now approximately a year ago today. No, a year ago in like a week. And yes, that is my story of how this began. And so, Lily, I even I even got to visit you during your little quarantine time at your house. And I also think it's so funny, like looking back, the fact that I came over, like sat across the table from you, but like wasn't allowed to like touch at all, but no thought of masks, no like anything like that, like literally not a care in the world, but other than like, let's just like not touch. And like, <laughs> at, also we like did, we didn't think that you had it like at all at that time. Um, but yeah, that was a beautiful way to like kick off this episode that is going to be all about the pandemic and our personal experiences of the pandemic. And I think like, I, I want to make sure that we give a disclaimer that we will be discussing kind of the different phases, the different experiences that we've had during the past year. But, you know, those are just our experiences and we're not meaning to like represent the whole experience of the pandemic. And I think that the pandemic in general is very tragic, like awful event. And it's something that has been really mishandled in a lot of ways politically. And this episode, I think we won't really get into the politics or the tragedy as much. And we're more so be talking about our personal like lived experience of the pandemic. So I just wanted to give that disclaimer that like, we're not claiming to encapsulate the whole, you know, COVID-19 struggle. We're just going to be talking about our own personal experiences of the pandemic throughout this year. 
Yes. So I will also just add to some of what Lily had to share about this sort of pre-COVID period, which is that, first of all, I remember, you know, hearing about all this happening, talking with Lily on the phone, just trying to understand what this situation was looking like for her, getting trying to get a feel for what everything was like over there prior to things really kicking off here. And I also remember having a, a conversation with some of my friends here. We were all like just sat around our little dining room table, if you can call it that. And um, I remember asking the question, like on a scale of one to 10, like how scared are you guys of the coronavirus? And to be honest, I don't remember exactly where we were in the timeline at that point. Um, <clears throat> But there were such varied answers and kind of going to what you were saying, Lily, of like, we just did not know this thing like at all. The fear levels were totally all over the place because first of all, any kind of like swine flu, Zika virus, Ebola, you know, we've experienced these things before, but I don't think that they've ever really touched our lives the way that COVID has touched our lives. And so that's kind of where my head was, but I was like, okay, like, you know, this feels like something potentially scary, but I can't tell if this is just the media, like sensationalizing it. I can't tell if this is a legitimate threat. And then other friends of mine were like, yeah, no, I'm like legitimately really afraid of this. And like, I think it's going to kill a ton of people, which to be fair, it, it has unfortunately taken a lot of lives, but not in the way that we thought it was going to be taking left, right, and center of whoever, you know, like there's obviously more rhyme and reason to the whole COVID thing. And it's just interesting that at that point in time, our levels of fear were completely just like creations of our imagination, you know? Um, so that's kind of my, my take on the pre-COVID era. I remember sitting at dinner with my fabulous host mother in Spain and this was right when it was starting but no one thought it was bad yet and I told her that my friends in Italy were getting sent home and she could not believe it because she thought this was something that was manufactured in a lab in China and showed me all these videos of people spraying like window washers spraying the windows with cleaning fluid but she was like they're spraying the coronavirus to infect people and if you don't get sprayed, you're not going to get it. And I was like, okay, my brain knows that that's not true. But like, okay, yeah. And then I went to class the next day and it was the first person I ever saw wearing a mask. And I remember in my head thinking, this boy is absolutely crazy. Why are you masked like that? You look like something is wrong. And that was the first time where I was like, okay, my host mom has this weird story. I'm seeing this man walking in my classes with this he had like one of the huge duck masks on. And I was like, okay, maybe this is something different than I'm initially thinking. And that was the first time I was like, eh, I don't know. I also remember sitting in class and like, you know, we, my professor was like, oh, okay. A new like announcement from our president has, or like our university president has been released. Like, let's watch it. And it was spring break is being extended for another week so that, professors can prepare for virtual school and we were all like online finals like sick and I even remember also being like sitting in that class getting texts on like the family group chat of like oh like are you guys okay like you know are you guys scared whatever and I just think that 
all of the all of the lead up and the fear and the like unknown uncertainty is really I mean, obviously it was scary at the time, but it's now sort of amusing to look back on now that we know what we know. And again, something like Cindy picking you up at the airport, putting a sheet, but no masks and and it's the gloves that matter. Like, it's just so funny that that's so, it's not the cheese touch, you know, like it, it, it doesn't work like that. Yeah, totally. And I think like, it's, it's wild looking back for me, um, like month by month and thinking back to in December when I watched a Netflix like little documentary thing about pandemics and I was like oh my gosh this is so scary and possible and this could happen at any moment like that a pandemic could happen it was like the first time I had learned that word like I I had never been exposed to it and I was like wow this is my new like number one fear and then the fact that corona like came so quickly after that um, like Which, I, Lisa, I feel like you remember telling me about that. And then I was like, I have to watch so that I'm not scared because right now yeah. I'm really fucking scared. And then yeah. I went and I remember I watched the thing on Netflix and I was like, okay, yeah, like that is frightening, but at least there's some hope that we're already working on, like, you know, how to, how to respond to this and blah, blah, blah. Little did we know. Yeah. And then I also like reflect back on the month of February and just like the vibes of that pre-COVID time where hand sanitizer started, you know, popping up everywhere. And like people just had these interesting like rules and regulations and thoughts on, on how they should behave. And I remember when my friends came and visited me in LA, they came, they flew from New York to LA. They were like, yeah, like a bunch of people on the, on the planes, like had masks, but like, I'm not wearing a mask. And like, I don't know, like it's not even here yet, but you know, people were kind of scared, but just like, didn't know how to behave or react, you know? Yeah. Well, when I flew home, no one on my flight had a mask, which now thinking back, like, first of all, it was a massive plane flying from one country to another and no one was masked, which is absurd. And also like when I got home, because I was in Europe and because this came to the U.S. later, I think everyone experienced, but me especially, like waiting for it to come here was such an interesting in-between. Like when I got home, I couldn't get tested because testing was not widespread or popular enough for that to be available anyway. And my parents' way of coping, in addition to everything we said of like putting a sheet and treating it like the cheese touch, was like sanitizing all of our groceries. Like I remember we would get our groceries and put them all outside and spray down everything. And if you touched the grocery with one hand and then you were spraying it down with the antibacterial stuff with the other, then you had to wash this hand because if you touched it, you were gonna get COVID. And when we got food from for like takeout, we had to put it on different plates because the styrofoam had COVID. And like, it's just so funny to reflect knowing what we know now because yeah. that was not helpful or the case at all. Yeah. Also in March, like right before everything shut down, um, I was at USC doing interviews and like at USC, they had closed classes. Like everything was virtual school, but the campus was still open. And so we were doing these interviews. We probably interviewed like at least 20 people in this tiny little room, like no windows, completely closed off. USC just like gave us some hand sanitizer and they were like, okay, now interview 20 different people from 20 different living situations in this small, tiny enclosed room, like literally three feet away from each other. Um, and then everything shut down. But 
obviously, you know, we didn't get, get COVID from that, but like that was prime, like get COVID, you know, circumstances. Okay. So now I think it's about time we transition into coronavirus is here. She is with us. It's full lockdown mode. Quarantine has begun. What do we have to share on this chunk of time, this experience, the feelings, the thoughts? Go for it. I was hype. I was like, let's, I love my family. I love spending time inside. This is a dream come true. My mom doesn't have to go to work. My dad's home, Cameron's home. The four of us are just going to like have so much fun together. And then we're like, we're going to be done so soon. Like I've never done this before. My classes are online. They're so easy. And this is the best. I'm so happy. Yay. Yeah. I mean, I, I think like hindsight is always 2020. Um, and we're looking back at 2020, but like, I really do remember like those first couple of weeks, obviously in some ways being very scary and like watching the news a lot and just trying to like track everything that was going on. But I, I remember it as a very fun, chill time. And it's, it's interesting, I think, how when we look back at 2020 in general in the future, like I think that we'll think of it as these two like different worlds going on, you know, like people just at home, like going on walks with their family and like cooking and baking and like, you know, doing TikTok dances and stuff, being one like universe that people were operating in. And then the other universe that people were operating in was like hospitals being overcrowded and people not knowing how to respond to this and people dying and like, it's, it's, it's wild how a pandemic and the, the circumstances that that causes led to these two like opposite worlds kind of operating simultaneously, you know? Well, I also think it's interesting how, like, I, I agree with you, Liesl. And I think that that is true, definitely here in the US and definitely to a certain extent in other countries as well. But my perception of other countries is like they would have lockdown and then they would have out time. And I feel like we had this weird in between the entire time of like, you're supposed to be inside the entire time. You're supposed to be not seeing people, but then like half the time people were still kind of doing things or it was like half people were really um, adherent to that and half people were like, I don't give a fuck about that. I'm going to do whatever I want. And so I do think it's interesting that in other countries, they had, I think, a clearer designation of like, here is a period of time that you guys spent inside and here is a period of time where everyone got to kind of like live life. Yeah, and I think like, um, also looking back to the pre-COVID time and like specifically Italy, like I really remember looking at Italy and being like, you know, we're lucky that we have this like warning sign and like this example of like how, how it's blown up in this other country and it's just tragic and so many people are dying. And I was like thinking, hopefully this will be like a warning sign to our country that we need to get our shit together and clearly, like, that's just not what ended up happening. And a lot of other countries had it really bad in the beginning and then were able to turn it around, you know, with, with pretty extreme measures. But it's like, you know, I think that it was really an example of with our country being so, um, like, split up, you know, having so many different states that follow different states, cities, you know, counties, and everyone following 
what they want to do. Like there was just no consistency as far as like COVID regulations or quarantine or anything like that. And so it just made it impossible to, to stop this thing, you know? But I think overall, like when I, when I reflect back on that beginning of quarantine timeline, I do feel like there was a lot of collective activities, which I think was really a unique experience that so many people were making sourdough or banana bread. And so many people were watching Tiger King. And it felt like a lot of people in this country and around the world, even were like experiencing the same things every day and experiencing the same media and activities. And in a way, like that was a really interesting experience for everyone to be, be stuck in the same situation. You know what I mean? I also think like at this point in time, I can look back pretty fondly on that beginning, like true quarantine, but also like, I remember there being so much optimism at that time of like, oh, this is, this is going to be like over and done with when it's summer and it's really hot outside. And I think that if I had known then, like, I even remember having the thought to myself of if someone were to tell me that this will without a doubt go on for another year plus, I don't know what I would do with myself. Whereas when I can live in the short term, like I can kind of make it work. And I think that it's just really easy to look back on that really, that core quarantine time as like, ha ha ha, it was so funny and like fun, you know, not to make, make it too light of the situation, but you get what I'm saying of, of kind of, as you were saying, Lily, like it was, this is my time to shine. I get to spend time with my family and I get to just kind of have free time to do whatever I want. And I remember even like zoom class was kind of funny to me at first. Um, and of course now I'm so accustomed to it, but like, I think a key thing for me at this time was really doing my best not to compare my like expectations for what I thought the year or what I thought the summer or what I thought whatever was going to look like compared to what it was actually looking like and just trying to enjoy what we had for what it was, you know? Well, I remember placing bets with you guys and my family of like, okay, when's it going to be over? And like, we're in March at this point. And we're like, okay, I think May 31st. Or like, I remember even being like, for my birthday, like we're totally gonna, which like my birthday is at the beginning of May. We were like, okay, for my birthday, we're, we're totally gonna be fine. And then like my birthday rolls around that we were like, okay, by the end of this month, like we're so good, like we're gonna go on our trip. And then we all planned on working this summer. And I remember that like, when we thought that was going to happen, that like, that was it. Like June 1st, the world is going to reopen. Everything's going to be fine. And my dad was like, my bet is February. And we were all like, Glenn Zoller is on one. It is not going to be February. Like that's so far away. And I actually called him last month when it made it to February. And I was like, dad, you bet February. I'm like, it's February and we're still not out of this. Like maybe you win because you were closest, but like you still lose. And like, if you would have told me that back last year, I mean, Gigi, I agree. Like I would not have been able to cope. Like it was definitely some sort of a mechanism to make myself feel better of like, okay, even though today's the day that we said the world was going to go back to normal, 
it's actually just going to be three weeks from today and that makes me feel fine so I can go about my life but if you tell me it's going to be a year from today I simply cannot go on yeah like I literally remember when Glenn said February I was like this man is Satan like he is the devil like he is just trying to like ruin our lives and like ruin our morale and like make make me want to cry like okay thanks Glenn like it's gonna be February thanks a lot but um he ended up being right I mean more right than us more right yeah so next up we will discuss COVID summer which this is definitely when things started to feel more and more like this is our new reality and this will be happening for months to come. And, you know, I will also say, uh, just backpedaling a bit now that I'm thinking about it, I remember having the thought of like, okay, if everyone just goes inside for like two weeks or even, you know, to be safe a month, then like, it'll be gone. It'll just be gone forever. And then I remember learning like, no, like so long as some people have it, it will always have the ability to re- grow I just remember thinking that like if everyone went inside for like a month or whatever it'll be fine and then I remember learning or realizing like okay as long as it exists even in one person it has the capacity to regrow for forever until we have a vaccine well let it be known because we're learning about this in my public health class right now we're learning about infectious diseases and if everyone, actually every single person in the entire world did not leave their space or interact with anyone for 14 days, it would in fact be dead. Like, yeah, but, but that's just so like, that has to be with no error whatsoever, which is just I understand. really like not feasible. And because what, as I was saying, like, it would have to die. Like COVID would have to die. It would have to but die like, like fully. I remember, G, when we were talking about that, and I was like, I'm down. And I, let me go on the record saying, I'm still down. Like, if the world wants to get together on this 14 days of our whole lives, and we could be, we could kill COVID. Like, not only could we not have it anymore, like, you could rub it in COVID's face, rub some dirt on it, that it would die in the ground, never come back. So if anyone wants to do this 14-day mission with me, tell me let me know I just really hope to your point though Lily I really hope that you know when this sort of thing happens again because I do think within our time within our lifetime like probably something of this sort will happen again it is full lockdown kill 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 no like no getting out of control yeah and it's it's wild too how now it's not even just like you know oh, COVID is going to be over in a year. It's like COVID might be around for the rest of our lives and we might have to get a booster shot every year. Like, like the, the flu, flu shot. That, that now Corona, you know, COVID-19 is just a fact of life forever. Like that is so wild. And my cousin was telling me that they're, they're working on different ways and methods of like giving people a vaccine. So it might not always be a shot because like a shot is like a kind of inconvenient way to, you know, administer a a vaccine. So like they might change it to like a nasal spray or like there's this little tiny grain of rice that you like put in your skin and then it absorbs. It's not actually a grain of rice, but it's as small as a grain of rice or like you have to inject it you just kind of like press it into your skin and it like absorbs in or like there's all these different kind of solutions that instead of having to go somewhere like they could just mail it to you once a year and so then you just like you know take the pill or do the little nasal spray or do the little rice 
And so like, you don't even have to go anywhere to like get it done, which I feel like they should have invented that so long ago, like DIY flu shot or whatever, because I feel like so many more people would yeah. would do the flu shot if they didn't have to go anywhere or do anything, you know? And get a shot. Like no one, no right. one like likes getting shots. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. We did get a little ahead of ourselves there, but I think like I'm, I'm ready to let this be more of a free form conversation because really at this point, COVID summer, COVID winter, COVID autumn, COVID whatever. That's one hot take that I personally have about COVID is that I don't believe that 2020 had fall or the, or the, the season of autumn at all. I believe that there was COVID summer, October Usually you cut out again. Well, sorry. COVID I summer. Here, here. Can no, I just... I, I got... Okay, COVID summer. COVID summer ended in October and COVID winter started in November and has lasted until pretty much now. Till pretty much now. Yes. Repeat it again. Till pretty much now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Liesl, I definitely <laughs> think that that was the Californian experience, but I yeah. don't know if that was the everyone else's experience. It wasn't everyone else's experience. As someone who does not currently live in California, I can confirm that um, we had autumn, we had fall. She said hi to us, and then she left us, and now it's freezing outside. But something that I think that's so crazy about, like, when you say, Liesl, we might have COVID for the rest of our lives, and we have all these innovative technologies that um, can bring us the vaccine in the future, like, that doesn't, I mean, I'm not happy to hear that, but, like, that doesn't scare me. Like, I am at peace with that. That seems okay. But just like we were saying, if you would have told me a year ago that this even would have lasted six months, like, I would not have been able to handle it. And so it is so incredible to me that I, along with the rest of the world, have become so accustomed to this. And like, yes, I understand that human beings are incredible creatures and can acclimate and adapt. But it is so insane to me that like, we are so at peace with the idea that like, yeah, COVID's going to exist forever. And like, yes, this is our way of life. And even that like, I have dreams now, which like I've only been living in this world for one year and I've been living in the rest of the world for 20 years where like I'm in a crowded space and I don't have a mask on and I'm panicking. Like that is a frequent dream I have. Or like I'll have a dream that I like can't get somewhere. So I'm like outside with all these people and it's so scary because they're so close to me. And it's like the fact that that has become my new normal or when I'm watching movies and I see big crowds of people or even like in TV shows that were created years and years ago. And my first thought is like, oh my God, that would never happen now. And I would never want to be there. And that is so scary. The fact that I've become that way so quickly in the present of COVID is bizarre. I will say sometimes when I'm watching TV and I see people like go into establishments, I'm like, where's their mask? Like the, the, my brain like thinks that they need a mask, but obviously they don't. I will say I have, I have vaccine dreams all the time. Like genuinely every few nights I'll have a vaccine dream of either me or people I know getting vaccines and feeling genuinely so happy. Um, I don't feel fear or concern whatsoever about returning to big crowds or like being around others. I know that that's not everyone's experience, but like, I know that once I'm vaxxed up and you know, the, the majority of people are vaxxed up, I'm ready. Put me in, like, put me in coach. I'm ready. I'm ready to crowd surf. I'm ready to kiss strangers. I don't care. Like put me in. 
Gee, I totally agree with you. I, I'm ready. I'm just saying like now I would not be ready, but like I, let it be known like the minute that I can and that it is safe. I obviously will not be doing anything unsafe and I don't condone that behavior or want anyone else to be doing that. But like put me in it as soon as I can. But for now, like when I see it, I'm like, no, no, that's not the way the world works right now. And like until the world's working like that, what are you doing? Yeah. The, the, the vibe that I'm not about is the people who are like, we, we should have just been wearing masks all along and we should just wear masks in public always, because look at how low the flu cases are and like, no one's getting sick. So let's just wear masks everywhere all the time forever. Cause it'll keep us safe. I'm like, okay, miss me with that. Like if you want to wear a mask, like beyond this time, like that's, that's totally your prerogative. And like, I'm not going to judge you. But me personally, like I'm sick of having a diaper on my face. Like I I'm over it. I'm not, I'm not into it. And I will continue to do it at, you know, as long as necessary. But like my face like wants to breathe the fresh air and like yeah, I'm done. I, I'm done with mask knee. I'll say goodbye to mask knee as soon as I can. And yeah. the, I agree, Liesl, that like when it's when it is it it becomes like a personal choice it is a personal choice. I'm definitely not an anti-masker by any stretch of the imagination, but like when it is no longer necessary, let's say it's in 2022, like catch me not wearing a mask unless I choose to do so. And if other people choose to do so, be my guest. But it's not, I think at that point, it will become very much a personal choice, not one to judge, not one to, you know, be calling others out or whatever. I think once we get to that time, it's just what, whatever you personally feel comfortable with. Yeah. And like, maybe if you are feeling sick, you know, one day, maybe throw on a mask, like that is kind of like a good idea, I guess. But like, I'm not afraid about getting the cold or like the flu or like any kind of well, common. And also, and also we don't even know necessarily what would be protected by a mask and what would, cause we know right. that COVID is a respiratory thing and it's all about the droplets, but yeah, it's whereas not other like, things are more passed through touch and through surfaces and or stuff whatever, like that. Yeah. Or whatever other like vehicles it is we can't be thinking now like, oh, the mask is, is going to save us from everything. Cause it just doesn't work that way. Not that I know how things work, but I, I'm pretty sure that that's not how it works. Yeah, totally. Um, I also saw this TikTok recently that was about a nail polish brand that sent out a promotional email saying like sick of your nails chipping so much question mark, stop washing your hands so much. They sent that out during the pandemic stop washing your hands so much I was so shocked that that this got like that anyone even thought to email anyone that I'm sorry but your nails chipping does not have to do with you washing your hands there's literally no way your priorities in line like sorry if your nails are chipping but you're not getting COVID like and like if you're if you're that bothered like either take off your nail polish or like get gels or like the it just it just was so stupid and I do think that hand washing hand sani you know trying to be as safe as possible is a good practice that I will continue to do but the masks are getting burned yeah the masks are no for me but I will say the the pandemic did teach me really good hand hygiene that I think I will keep up for the rest of my life and I'll teach my children and so I will say it definitely has impacted me in that way and I um can maybe be grateful for it because my hands are always so clean now 
Um, one thing that I'm really grateful for with the whole pandemic is I think a lot of people took on new hobbies, you know, tried new things, tried new activities and had to get creative as far as entertaining themselves. And, you know, the pandemic did kind of allow the three of us to start this podcast. And I really don't think that we would have started this podcast if we hadn't had so much time on our hands and, and just like been spending so much time together because we were really the only people we were trying to see was each other. Um, and so for that, you know, we have to look on the bright side a little and be grateful. You know, Absolutely. Liesl, this was, this was a thought that I was going to bring up as well, which is just that, you know, there are so many things that we can thank the pandemic for. There are so many things we can say, fuck you to the pandemic for. And this podcast is something that we can thank the pandemic for, because as you're saying, Liesl, realistically, this wouldn't have happened in the way that it did if it had not been for quarantine. So many hobbies. I also um, took up reading, which shout out to Liesl for, but that's also a thing born of the pandemic that I feel has really taken a place in my life. So I could keep naming hobbies and things that I've come to love, but I think that this podcast is definitely number one, reading and a lot of the relationships that I have grown with others and my family. So with that, do either of you girls have any recommendations for this week? I do. Um, I have been doing lots of YouTube workouts, which we've spoken on this podcast before about my love for online workouts in the pandemic specifically. Um, and I've recently discovered a woman named Sydney Cummings, who is really good. And her music is horrible. Don't listen to the music when you do it. And I think she's a really, I've really enjoyed doing her workouts. So I highly recommend to anyone looking for like, she has so many, she re releases them every single day and literally any single thing you're in the mood for she has and does such a great job. Well, thank you for listening to Sophomore Citizens, the podcast by young people for young people with new episodes every Monday. So be sure to check us out on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, send us an email at sophomorecitizens at gmail.com and always be sure to leave a five-star review.